Welcome to The Pragmatic Pagan. Here we explore an inclusive pagan path via science-based witchcraft, no deities included. With a focus on nature and energy, this spiritual practice is centered on lunar tides and seasonal cycles. Check the link tree in the bio for lots of great resources. Merry meet all. This podcast is recorded on the homeland of the Duwamish people, and more broadly, the Coast Salish people, as well as many other indigenous tribes that make their home here in the Pacific Northwest of America, past, present, and future. As a spiritual being and steward of this land that I call home, I feel honored with the responsibility of caring for this piece of our planet. Please take a moment to join me in honoring the original stewards of the land on which you are residing and a moment of gratitude for the earth itself and the bounty it provides. Please join me in words that work for you. To the ancestors that hold this ground and for those spirits yet to come, May you fill me with guidance as I learn my place as a steward of this land and its creatures. In the gift of this role, I hold gratitude for all that surrounds me, for the water which cleanses me, for the earth's fruit which nourishes me, for the air that breathes life, for the fire that warms as it burns and for the divine cosmos within. I am a child of the universe, at one with the trees and the stars. May the tides of the moon fill me with silver and the sunbeams tint me in gold. From light to dark, from birth to death, spring to winter, new moon to full, and back again. It is a beautiful world, one worth protecting. This I will, as within, so without, as above, so below, as I am, so mote it be. The Pragmatic Pagan participates in Real Rent Duwamish as a way to compensate for the land that was stolen through violence and broken land treaties. I encourage you to look into and participate in Real Rent programs that support Indigenous communities in your area. I also encourage you to take an active stance in environmental issues, both at home and worldwide. Our planet needs its stewards, now more than ever. It can be as simple as picking up trash in your neighborhood, using less water, and buying local goods. Check out the link tree in the bio for more great ways to connect with our planet and give back. We all need a place to call our own a place that is a physical representation of our inner self. This place can be room-sized or box-sized. All that matters is it is for you alone. This is a space of creation where your intent begins to manifest in the physical world, where practical and magical meet. For witches, this is particularly true as this is a place that holds your spell work. 
This episode, we are talking one of a witch's most sacred spaces, their altar. Altars can be a kaleidoscope of shapes, sizes, and forms to fill a variety of needs. The goal is to create an undisturbed place where representations of your intent, your tools, and your spells can live, a place surrounded by its own little energy bubble. This means that so long as it's been cleansed and powered up with good protection vibes, an altar can quite literally be anything. It might be a table in your bedroom, a bookshelf in your living room, a small shoebox tucked under your bed, a mint tin hidden in your book bag. The key is that it will be able to hold what you need. <laughs> that being said, much like a fish grows to its pond, a witch tends to fill altar space based on availability. So. If you have the space for a big altar, great. You will accumulate tools and spells to fill it. If you keep your altar small, you may naturally accumulate less. For this reason, I limit myself to one small bookshelf that is my general altar and one table that is more my working altar. I also have a small box that holds my consumable supplies, candles, incense, and the like. If I allowed myself more space, I would naturally accumulate more to fill it. That being said, there is probably a rare witch out there that doesn't fall into that trap. Do be mindful of where and how you acquire your items. Think of the process your item's life cycle has on nature, and consider buying your goods from secondhand stores to keep them out of landfills and lower demand for production. I urge you to be conscious of origins when selecting the items for your altar. Where was it made? By hand? Even your own hand? Or in a factory? It is not a game of who can spend more on their altar decor. Truly, open yourself up to the universe and you will find that what is needed will come to you. And for the rest, thrift stores and locally sourced shops and aspiring artists are better ways to support the environment and the community. All right, witches, time to pull out that pen and paper and write some things down. Don't wanna have to write things down? check out my Instagram for easy-to-read graphics. What goes on an altar is completely personal, but here are a few things you might consider. Elemental representations of earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. These can be physical manifestations of the element or even a collection of symbols. Seasonal decoration, completely optional, but provides a good way for you and your altar to stay in tune with the natural changes surrounding you. These can be full altar decorations or small nods to the season. Personal signifiers and representations that ground and center you. It should feel a part of who you are. These can be trinkets, letters, or any other item that helps you feel more connected to your internal self. A black and a white candle. Together, these represent balance on your altar. You will also keep any spells you are currently working on, divination tools like tarot, black mirrors, runes, and the like as well as your witch's tools, an athame or wand, cauldron, broom, gems, incense burner, and more. In fact, to learn more, stay tuned to the next episode all about a witch's tools. As I mentioned above, I also have a small storage box of supplies, candles, and the like. And as criminal as it may seem to some witches, I like to keep my crystals here in the storage space when I'm not using them. Sure, I could probably lay out my crystal collection, but honestly, I don't want to dust that all the time, and I would rather not have them subjected to just wayward energies. Instead, I keep them labeled in a jewelry-making case, 
And when I use them, I pull them out, cleanse them, charge them, and then when my spell work is done, they are cleansed and restored. These are usually done in batches of gems. The key is to make your altar your own. It should be a reflection of who you are as a witch. What in nature are you most drawn to? What in the universe are you most drawn to? Your altar should amplify your connection to the world around you. When setting up your altar, you want to consider a few things. Dust and clean the space, bookshelf, box, or tin. Consider a decorative cloth or decorating the outside. Cast a circle, call quarters. Do a meditation on creating a cleansing, protective bubble around this space, much like a circle that will always exist, even without your presence. Refreshing and reinforcing this bubble is always a great way to add to your waxing moon and full moon rituals. Once the space has been cleansed, go ahead and decorate it. Then, when items are in place, consider a meditation on how the items are now your way of amplifying energy out into the world, your own place of creation and growth. Release the elements, thanking them for their attributes that they brought to your work, and then go ahead and close your circle. Reminder that an altar is not a place for others to be poking around and should be kept tidy, dusted, and full of your imprint. If you have an altar out in the open, consider your rules for people and pets. Often breakable and cherished items are kept on altars and are not a place for roaming eyes, hands, or paws. When you do full moon spell work, you might store the spell in progress on your altar or keep spell candles here while they charge. Always be mindful of who might see things not meant for prying eyes. Altars are sacred spaces, a place for you to put things that truly reflect who you are. They can be as big or as little as you need them to be for your situation as fancy or as simple as what fits who you are as a witch. This is a moment to really reflect on your inner witchiness. It isn't something that we often get to truly spend time thinking about, who we are when no one is looking, when we are at our most confident and powerful, when we are learning and curious, when we are cautious, when we are gentle. Spend some time thinking about your inner witch wants, and it's okay if you change your mind six months down the line. This is all about learning to be flexible. A witch must learn to ebb and flow with the tides of the seasons and life. Know when to flex and grow and when to guard and protect. An altar is the sacred space where a witch's journey manifests. Have a topic you want to learn more about or a request for a spell? Please let me know. Your suggestion may be featured in an upcoming podcast. You can find me on Instagram at The Pragmatic Pagan, on Twitter at Pagan Pragmatic, or on Facebook at A Pragmatic Pagan. If you follow me on Anchor Podcasts, you can even send me an audio question that may be played. Check it out. Would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm.